0: Hi, we're here from curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm
1: Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how many hours it takes to forge a new friendship and the most popular jobs for psychopaths. We'll also answer a listener question about the limitations of science.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity.
1: We got a listener question from Peter and his kids, Micah, Eliana, and Nathan. Peter wrote that he's always curious about what science can't explain. Not the big stuff like quantum entanglement, but the little things you'd think we had already figured out by now. So here's his question. What are the everyday things that we can't explain or have only recently been understood? And I wanted to start
0: today's episode with this because we talk about science all the time. So I think it's really worth explaining where we're coming from when we talk about science and research and what are the limits of science.
1: Absolutely. This is a big question. And Cody and I have been talking about it nonstop since we got it. We even put a call out on Twitter to see what suggestions others had. We're going to keep talking about it, but first I want to run down some of the most fascinating things we found that science can't explain. We've got links to learn more about all of these in the show notes. Here goes. We still don't know why we sleep or exactly how circadian rhythms work. We still don't have a mathematical model for how dominoes fall. Physicists are still puzzling over how to understand and predict turbulence, not just in the air, but in water or any other fluid. Scientists didn't know what caused the crack of a whip until 2002. It's not a sonic boom at the end of the whip, but a sonic boom from a loop in the whip traveling from your hand to the end faster than the speed of sound. In 2017, mechanical engineers figured out how shoelaces come untied. It's not little by little, but in a quick catastrophic failure. It took a study in 2018 before scientists understood how cat tongues work so well for grooming. That same year, scientists finally figured out how washing machines actually get clothes clean. And just a few months ago, researchers put dandelion seed pods in a wind tunnel and finally figured out how they managed to float so far. Whew.
0: So that's a lot of things that we haven't figured out or recently figured out. And why is that?
1: Well, because there's just so much in the world. And a lot of these things seem to be so basic that, you know, you might not get funding to just study such a tiny little topic.
0: Well, I think that answers the question, right? What are the things that we can't explain or have only recently been understood? But that's a little bit of a loaded question almost because a lot of the things that we think we can explain or think we understand, we don't necessarily understand as well as we think. So Ashley and I spoke with Carl Zimmer, a science communicator who's written extensively about genetics And he's recently published several books. And what Carl told us, and you'll be hearing from him on this podcast in the near future, is that, yeah, Mendel squares are still a thing, like you learned in biology class. But our understanding of genetics beyond that is progressing really rapidly. And so many things that we thought were true for many, many centuries are maybe not necessarily true.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, science is a process. It's not just an answer. You don't just open a science book and you see an answer to your question, and that's it. Science is about testing and experimenting and getting the best answers we can with the information that we have right now.
0: Yes. And that is why we're very careful about our language. When we talk to you in the podcast, if a new study suggests something or new findings could imply something, it's not, oh, scientists ran an experiment on 30 people. And that means this is exactly why every single person does this. There's always exceptions and there's always more that we can surmise. What science allows us to do is through repeated studies and repeated research and repeated observations, we're able to detect patterns and through more research and more observations, we may detect that those patterns don't hold as true as we originally thought.
1: And we always just get closer to the truth. Just ever, ever closer. Yeah. So I hope
0: that answers your question. Thank you so much, Peter and family. Shout out to Micah, Eliana and Nathan for listening to our podcast.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You're going to be awesome scientists someday, or whatever your dad tells you to do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How many hours does it take to make a friend? One researcher actually tackled this question in one of the most heartwarming scientific studies probably ever, and the results come with real health benefits. In March of 2018, Jeffrey Hall was an associate professor of communication studies at the University of Kansas, and he collected data to find an answer on how long it'll take to make a friend. His data came from participants who were adjusting to new circumstances, like transplants to new cities and college freshmen. He asked them about the people they were meeting and followed up later to see how close they'd become with them. And according to Hall's calculations, it takes about 40 to 60 hours to make a casual friend, about 80 to 100 hours to become a friend friend, and 200 hours or more to become a close friend. Leisure time made faster friends than just spending work time together, and the youngest participants spent up to a third of their waking hours with their new buddies. That created kind of a snowball effect that forged closer friendships faster. So why do friendships matter? Well, they matter because research has shown that having friends actually has a positive effect on how long you live. But what kinds of friends depends on your age. For younger people, it's more important to have lots of friends, but the quality of those relationships doesn't have a major effect on lifespan. For people in their 30s, like us, quality is more important than quantity. If you're curious about the friendship factor of your relationships, then you're in luck. Hall and his colleague designed an online tool that can give you a very informal assessment of your newest friendships. You can find a link to that in our full write-up on this story on curiosity.com and on our free curiosity app for Android and iOS. Just remember, whatever your age and however many friends you have, you've also got a friend in Cody and me. Aww.
0: Especially if you follow us on Twitter. (laughs) At
1: me anytime. At me, bro. (laughs) I mean, yeah, for sure. Do
0: that. Today's last story is just plain fun. Author Kevin Dutton wrote a book called The Wisdom of Psychopaths, What Saints, Spies, and Serial Killers Can Teach Us About Success. And he also identified the most appealing jobs to people with a psychopathic personality. Now, to clarify, there is a difference between the kind of psychopath who gets a job from the kind that ends up in prison. A 2010 study looked at two groups of people with psychopathic tendencies. One group had been convicted and sent to prison, and the other was made up of people who had found a lot of success in the business world. Both groups showed a lot of the same tendencies, like having a shallow affect, callousness, and lack of remorse, a general lack of empathy, and the ability to be really charming when necessary. In fact, the only notable trait that didn't show up in the successful business leaders was low conscientiousness. These successful psychopaths actually showed signs of pretty high conscientiousness. Which, by the way, doesn't necessarily mean you care more about what other people think. It just means you're more aware of what other people think. And experts estimate that about 1% of people are psychopaths. So chances are pretty solid you'll run into one sooner or later, if you haven't already. If you do run into one, remember... Don't react emotionally to their jibes. Don't be intimidated by their aggression. Don't buy into their misrepresentations of the world. Just keep calm and confident, and you won't become a target for manipulation. Anyway, back to the list of top jobs ranked by popularity. Number five is surgeon. A 2015 study found that consultants at hospitals ranked more psychopathic than the general population. Number four, salesperson. Makes sense. Sales is a competitive field, and it's one where self-promotion and carefully curated representations of the truth, let's just say, can take you a long way. Number three, media personality. Mostly because psychopathy and narcissism go hand in hand. No comment on that one. Number two, lawyer. Confidence and control are key when you're trying to convince a jury, and so is knowing how to manipulate people. And the number one job for psychopaths, You guessed it, CEO. Psychopaths have a strong tendency to become corporate leaders. But still, remember how Harvard psychology professor Joshua Buckholtz put it, quote, they're not aliens, they're people who make bad decisions, unquote.
1: Before we wrap up, we want to give a special shout out to Dr. Mary Yancey, who gets an executive producer credit today for her generous support on Patreon. Thank you
0: so much. If you're listening and you want to support Curiosity Daily, then visit patreon.com slash curiosity.com, all spelled out. We're producing special podcast episodes and offering other exclusive perks to show our appreciation for your support. One more time, you can learn more at patreon.com slash curiosity.com.
1: Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious.